Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dommel, in for Carrie Martin. We're part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Hemp Hill County Beef Conference drew a huge crowd, and the attendees were urged to speak out on behalf of the beef business. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Water legislation continues to move through the state legislature. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Weather is dominating all agriculture topics in the central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. The Texas Department of Agriculture is now accepting applications for its Family Land Heritage Program. The program pays tributes to families who have kept their land in continuous agricultural production for at least 100 years. Eligible farms and ranches must be owned and operated by the descendants of the farm or ranch's founder through blood, marriage, or adoption. Since 1974, the Family Land Heritage Program has recognized more than 5,000 farms and ranches across Texas. There's no cost to apply. The deadline to submit an application is Saturday, May 1st. Apply at FamilyLandHeritage.com. That is FamilyLandHeritage.com. South Texas farmers and ranchers are facing a historic challenge with the flood of immigrants now flowing over our southern border. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud sits on the House Agriculture Committee. I get calls all the time from ranchers, from farmers of these cartels and, and the migrants just overrunning their land. Uh, they're very concerned about having their own family members walk out on their own property. This is the tragedy that's happening right now. Some ranchers are having to spend literally hundreds of thousands of dollars repairing fences a year. You know, this is supposed to be a federal responsibility and certainly isn't a burden that the Texas ag community should have to bear. Cloud says it's not an issue of not knowing what to do about the situation. We just don't have the political will to address the problem and put a stop to it. I'm Kerry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. After being canceled last year, hundreds of people came out for a Texas beef conference. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. With two days worth of presentations by beef industry experts and the wares of more than 70 vendors on display, there was a lot to absorb at Texas A&M AgriLife's Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, but perhaps most impressive, the size of the crowd. When the conference was first held back in 2015, about 85 people showed up, pretty good for a local AgriLife event, but the conference has quickly become what can truly be called a national event. This year's attendance, more than 700 people coming to Canadian from 12 states and 48 Texas counties, a resounding return for an event that was knocked off the calendar last year by the pandemic. It's fun seeing everybody out. 2020 was what I call the lost year, and to be able to engage like this is just absolutely a lot of fun. 
That's Bob McKnight, immediate past president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. He served as an MC for the conference, and while he did use the word fun, there was also a very serious consideration discussed at the conference, as McKnight and others believe the beef industry and agriculture in general are at a tipping point when it comes to the direction of government policy and public perception. There are a lot of forces out there, I think, that would maybe wish we weren't in business anymore, just to cut to the chase. McKnight says the beef industry actually has a good story to tell on issues like the environment and animal welfare, but producers need to be more active in advocacy. We just need to educate all the consumers, all the people out there as to how important agriculture is now and going to become more important in the future. The demands on agriculture are only going up. A reference there to the need to feed an increasing global population, a mission in which the attendees of this year's conference are playing a vital role. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A piece of water legislation continues moving through the Texas legislature. Tom Nicoletti has that report. We go to Austin, and uh, Billy Howe is my guest today. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Government Affairs Director. And Billy, Senate Bill 152 uh, is moving along in the legislative process uh, as it uh, recently passed through the House Natural Resources Committee. Uh, fill us in on the latest on that uh, legislation that is uh, going to be beneficial for farmers, ranchers, and rural landowners. That's right, Tom. Uh, we've had some positive movement with Senate Bill 152. It was heard in committee on April the 27th, and then two days later on the 29th, the committee voted it out of committee. And so now it will be going to the local in consent calendar because there were no opposing votes to the bill. We had talked previously that there was probably a major provision coming out of the bill due to the opposition from groundwater conservation districts. And indeed, the version of the bill that got voted out of committee no longer has the fix to the attorney's fees issue where rather than being mandated to pay the district's attorney's fees if you lose in court, the judge would have discretion in deciding whether or not uh, it was justified for the landowner to have to pay the district's attorney's fees. Obviously, we're we're disappointed that that provision came out because it hurts landowners trying to protect their property rights if they have to go to court. But uh, the other things that the bill does are important enough to move forward and support. Any other provisions of this legislation that uh, remain that certainly will be uh, strong for farmers, ranchers, and landowners? Well, the most positive thing the bill does for landowners is give the landowner the right to petition the district to conduct rulemaking so that the landowner can actually initiate a change in how the district is regulating groundwater. Uh, That's probably the biggest thing that it does in addition to a few other things. Now, this uh, legislation previously had passed the full Senate, and uh, so uh, if it's going to calendars, then uh, the House of Representatives uh, would be voting on it uh, in the very near future. That's right, and then it all comes down to the Senate accepting the House amendments once the House votes it back over to the Senate. And so we'll see how that goes or if Senator Perry is going to want to go to conference committee and talk about the attorney's fees issues a, a little bit more. That is Texas Farm Bureau's Billy Howe at the state capitol. Senate Bill 152 is authored by Senator Charles Perry of Lubbock. The legislation improves the regulatory process for landowners when dealing with local groundwater conservation districts on various issues impacting property rights. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The weather continues to weigh on farmers in central Texas. Shane McClellan explains. 
all of our crops are currently being affected by the weather in some way. Many of our crops need a rain. Our deep soil moisture is just not there. If you think back to 2020, Central Texas was extremely dry from June through December. Then on December 31, we received several inches of rain, and that was really our, our first big rain since June of 2020, and we haven't really had one since. We have had a lot of small-type showers, a tenth here, a tenth there, but not a good, slow, soaking, large rain with any volume of water. We haven't had that gully washer kind of rain that, that will fill up a stock tank. The small showers are good if they continue to come over time consistently, but you know they, they can be very beneficial in the short run. As we're entering a time of year when the temperatures become hot, plants really need that available deep soil moisture continue to grow and reach that yield potential. Corn looks good, and some of our areas have been damaged by recent health storms, though. Uh, those damaging storms were over just a small area. Grain sorghum is growing off well. Cotton planting is over, and cotton is emerging. Showers that we received here lately, uh, the previous week even, it formed a, a crust over that newly planted cotton, and the cotton plant has had to push through that hard crust. Some of our areas did receive just enough rain to kind of soften that crust, help that cotton plant emerge. All of our crops do need a rain, and uh, if they don't get a rain in the in the short term, in the short future, then they're going to really begin to start showing some stress-type symptoms. Wheat and oats are headed out and filling that grain kernel. A good rain right now would lengthen our small grain seed and kind of extend it. If we stay dry and that we do have some hot days, all of our small grains will begin drying out quickly. Our warm season grasses are slow to break dormancy, and part of that is due to just being dry. I'm still fielding questions on trees and landscape plants that are slow to break dormancy, or they may be dead from that big freeze in February. I expect those trees to show stress symptoms from that big freeze event for a few years. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced updates to livestock insurance policies for 2022 and beyond. USDA says the updates are designed to improve options for producers and to create additional opportunities for producers to participate. The changes include ensuring the class pricing option remains available for purchase even when either the class 3 or the class 4 milk price is not established. USDA is also relaxing records requirements by allowing monthly total pounds of milk and milk components to be acceptable records instead of daily. The livestock gross margin is available for cattle, dairy, and swine producers and provides protection against loss of gross margin, which is the market value of livestock minus feed costs. The changes include allowing producers to purchase coverage on a weekly basis instead of monthly. Risk Management Agency Acting Administrator Richard Florney says, We strongly feel that these updates will benefit producers and their dairy and livestock operations in the years to come. Sign-up will soon begin for a program that helps to conserve and preserve wildlife habitat and allows landowners more time to hunt white-tailed deer. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up. The Animal Science Department at Texas A&M University is studying sheep to learn more about polycystic ovary syndrome in humans. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A sheep study aims to break the infertility cycle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has that story. Polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, is common in women as it affects 5 million women in the United States and 100 million women worldwide. It is a complex syndrome that includes increased risk of heart disease, increased fat in the blood, increased blood pressure, diabetes, and endometrial cancer. Dr. Rodolfo Cardoza with the Texas A&M Animal Science Department indicates in the AgriLife newsletter that sheep are an animal model that is very transitional to humans, and the development of the sheep fetus parallels that of humans. Most work in biomedical research uses rodents as subjects, but sheep are easier and clinically relevant to humans, and the human gestational process is more similar to sheep than rodents. Approximately 70% of women with PCOS are obese or overweight with metabolic complications, and if they can lose weight, they can improve their fertility. Also, the events that happen to a baby during fetal development can affect them for the rest of their life. By doing this study, the scientists are attempting to determine how to break the multi-generational cycle using dietary intervention to prevent animals and people from becoming overweight and transmitting the obesity trait to others. If humans were chosen as test subjects, it would take 20 years to get an answer. But since sheep have a shorter gestation period, the scientists should have some results in three years, as this has to be a multi-generational study. The ewes will be given an androgen to elevate the level of steroid hormones during pregnancy to simulate PCOS and then check their granddaughters for the disease. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. Texas landowners who are interested in an extended deer hunting season may now sign up for the Managed Lands Deer Program Harvest and Conservation Options. Both options foster and support sound management and stewardship of native wildlife and habitat. Alan Kane, Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the harvest option is a self-service program. It's an automated tag instance. A landowner gets online, creates their own account. They don't need any assistance from a biologist. They can do all this on their own. And then the system will create the harvest recommendations. You actually just print your tags off from the computer. The harvest option does not require habitat management practices, deer population data, or work with TPWD biologists. The conservation option does. As we mentioned earlier, MLDP allows landowners more time to hunt. Deer harvest is an important aspect of habitat management and conservation. The MLD season runs from about the 1st of October through the end of February. And those folks under the harvest option, they can hunt does or antlers deer and unbranched antler bucks, basically spike bucks, from the 1st of October to the end of February with a firearm or any legal means. And then during that first month, though, they can only harvest branched antler bucks, so what folks might consider a trophy or, or something along those lines, but something with more than a spike on one side, they have to hunt those with archery equipment during that first month. They can hunt does and, and then the spike bucks or unbranched antler bucks with a, a rifle. Sign up for the conservation option runs through June 15th. Sign up for the harvest option is May 1st through September 1st. 
You can sign up on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply search Managed Lands Deer Program. The TPWD website is tpwd.texas.gov. That's tpwd.texas.gov. Rallying corn prices pushed cattle futures lower Friday, while the market tried to hang on to gains achieved earlier in the week. Meanwhile, a higher U.S. dollar, some rain in West Texas, and end-of-the-month speculation pushed cotton prices higher. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Increasing corn prices caused by greater demand and tighter supplies led to mixed cattle prices Friday after a volatile week. June live cattle ended the week 52 cents higher at 116.57. August live cattle up $1.22 at 118 at 62. May feeder cattle were down $2.25 at 133.60. August feeder cattle were down $3.12 at $146.75. September feeder cattle closed $2.35 lower Friday at $149.27. Box beef prices ended the week higher, choice up $2.61 to $296.37. Select was up $3.88 to $283.67. Now let's check the Texas Livestock Auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, they had a cattle sale and a half in my old stomping ground, Seguin, Texas, with cousin Brian Litzman. Brian, how'd you sell them? Packer cows and bulls, they're holding their own still again this week. We were probably 25, almost 30% cows again today. But the calf in, I'd call it a full $10 off. Good condition cattle, they're still doing okay. But the fleshier cattle, $8 corn, it's starting to bite them in the butt. Two to three weight steers, $1.35 to $1.77. Three to four weight steers, $1.28 to $1.80. Four to five weight steers, $1.16 to $1.78. Five to six weight steers, $1.15 to $1.42. Six to seven weight steers, $1.10 to $1.35. Seven to eight weight steers, $1.02 to $1.20. You get onto the heifer mates, uh, two to three weight heifer. $1.21 to $1.60. Three to fours, $1.16 to $1.50. Four to five weights, $1.14 to $1.33. The five to six weights, $1.10 to $1.30. And the six to seven weight heifers, $1.00 to $1.22. Top end of the cows brought 78 cents. Top end of the bulls brought $1.01. We had a few cow and calf pairs. They brought up to $1,100. Some of them good young palpated cows, they brought $800. The cow market's good. Calf market, if they still got a little condition, you can't see much difference, but 
they got a little flesh on them, I mean, you can take $20 off of them easy. Sheep and goat market, the good nannies, they brought from 210 to $305. The uh, good kid goats, they brought from 360 to 405 You get into them door per use, they brought from 150 to 185 with lambs bringing 240 to 265 So nothing nothing bucked the sheep and goat market. What do you know for next week? They got rain through Saturday, and it wouldn't bother me if I called you and said, Larry, we're only going to have 200 because it's too wet. I understand. Well, tell everybody how to contact you. Give us a call at 830-379-9955, or you can call me on my cell at 830-305-0652. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Tight supplies and strong demand drove lean hog prices higher Friday. Lean hogs for May up $1.40 at one ten twelve. Lean hogs for June ended out the week $3 higher at one oh nine seventy two. And just like the cattle markets, increasing feed prices are affecting milk prices. Class 3 milk for May was down 2 cents on Friday to 19.20, 100 weights. July cotton up 154 points Friday to 88.08. October cotton up 103 points to 86.47. December cotton up 122 points Friday to 85.06. Hard red winter wheat for May up 9 and 3 quarters to 6.98 and a quarter. Hard red wheat for July up 9 to 7.03 and a half. And as we've mentioned a few times, corn and other feed prices were higher Friday. Corn for May up 38 to 7.40. Corn for December up 17 and a half to 5.63 and three quarters. Soybeans for July up 32 at 15.34 and a quarter. Natural gas for July closed out the week two cents higher at 2.98. Crude oil for June was down $1.44 to $63.57 a barrel. Crude oil for July was also down, is down $1.41 to $63.47 a barrel. Looking over at our financial markets, the Dow was down 222 points Friday to 33,843. The S&P 500 was down 32 to 4,178. And the NASDAQ was down 131 points to 13,950. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, sitting in for Carrie Martin. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.